Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. First, I want to thank you for the decision you made to listen to this podcast or watch this podcast. If I've done my job, you'll learn something that you can use in your life. And here's something I hope you'll do. The average American has so many different jobs now over a working lifetime. Uh, Think about it. You go back two generations. It was completely common that someone coming out of school, high school, or some college or college would go to work at a company, and unless that company got into financial trouble or they didn't like you, you'd be at that one company potentially your entire adult life. Seriously, it was so very common. My father worked for one company for 29 years. Krista, your dad worked for... PepsiCo for 36 years. 36 years. It was just how it was done is you went to work one place and you were there all that time. And today, people might think, oh, well... I've got to stay there a year. I mean, I don't want to look like a job hopper. (laughs) It's such a funny, different mentality. And then at the same time, the pensions exist almost nowhere anymore, except typically in government jobs. Then employers as a substitute, quite often you'll have access to a 401k or something like that. And there's something that I really want you thinking about, about the nature of how work's changed, and what that does with the jumble of savings and retirement accounts. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Also, I need to give you a clear, clear warning. When you book tours or travel packages, there's some stuff you got to know to protect yourself and your wallet. So, Going back to these job situations where somebody may, from age 20 to 40, may have 10, 12, 15 different jobs. After age 40, people tend to change jobs less frequently, but still, you may over that cycle of work, let's just go with 20 to 40, or we could go with the whole working lifetime, you could end up with a 401k here, 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 all these different ones, it's become an administrative nightmare for the 401k plan administrators, which is why more and more of them are joining this co-op where when you leave one place and they see that you have a 401k at another place, they'll actually move your money automatically to the new place. But we're early in that. So more of the dealing with this falls on us. 
you don't want to have six different 401ks, five from ex-employers and one where you are now or anything like that. You want to, over time, migrate the money and simplify your life because no doubt you'll lose track and may even lose those accounts. They'll go into never, never land. I don't even want to talk about where those go. When you have this job, then that job, then the other job, then the other job. And don't be thinking that you just shouldn't participate in the 401k because you don't know how long you're going to be there. No, it's really important that you're saving for your future. But as you move from job to job, if you move from a job and the new employer has a low-cost 401k provider, two biggest low-cost providers, Vanguard and Fidelity, any others you better check out to make sure they are low-cost you just simply migrate the money from the old plan to the new one. That way, you still only have a manageable number of accounts to deal with. But you start changing a lot of jobs and not doing anything about those old 401ks. Wow. Wow. And then you move to different addresses and you may move to different cities and the accounts statements don't catch up with you and then they're returned to sender and then eventually they're like okay this is an inactive account boop and then it vanishes into the ether so this is why this is one other life detail i want you to deal with to not just leave those dangling 401ks oh so something i didn't address let's say you had a 401k with a low cost provider And then you go to work somewhere with a stinking high-cost provider. What do you then do with the old plan? What I recommend in that case is move it to your own IRA with the low-cost provider you were with. So if you had a Fidelity 401k, it's really easy. Migrate it to a Fidelity IRA. If you had a Vanguard, move it to a Vanguard IRA. And then you've got manageable activity there got manageable accounts. And I'm going to go arcane for a second. Let's say you had a 401k and you move it into an IRA at the same institution. Do not co-mingle those funds with a separate IRA you already have there. Because if you leave it as just a migration from a 401k and then you keep moving jobs and later you have a job with a 401k with that provider, you can then move the money into that 401k and just liquidate that IRA. Why would you want to do that? Because at many large companies, the cost of administering the 401k and the cost of the investments is lower than it is having it in your own IRA, where you're paying public share fees instead of institutional share fees. So that was a lot to throw out all at once. (laughs) You ready for questions? Sure. This one's about investing from James in Ohio. He says, index mutual funds are a staple of my investing strategy. Is there a place to find the best low-cost funds for the indexes like the S&P 400 and or the S&P 600? So most people have not heard of these. One is mid-size companies. The other is small companies. Trying to remember if the 400 is small and the 600 is 
mid-size. Anyway, so they're, they're much, much smaller indexes that people fund and track. So the two mains are the S&P 500, which is roughly the 500 largest publicly traded companies in the United States. That's kind of a rough way of explaining it. And then my favorite now is the broad market or total market index funds or ETFs, where you own little pieces of big companies, mid-sized companies, and small companies. So my preference is not to do the S&P 400 or 600 and just go in a broad market index fund so you get the triple exposure. But if you specifically want to invest in the 400 or the 600, what you do is, this is going to sound so elementary, you Google S&P 400 funds, S&P 600 funds, and you'll see what ETFs exist and what index funds exist that track each of those. Um, And you'll be able then to see the expense ratios. But if you want to keep it really simple, go straight to Vanguard and look at the Vanguard fees on these two indices for funds and for ETFs. And you can't go wrong with the ultra-low costs at Vanguard. I mean, you can look at the other big providers, but day in and day out, Vanguard is the easiest, simplest to use, particularly when you want a more targeted index like those. This is from Justin in South Dakota. He says, I recently acquired an inheritance of about $500,000. Can I stop you there and say, I'm really sorry when you get an inheritance, it means you lost somebody that you loved, you cared about. Mm-hmm. Justin says, I would like to invest it in index funds, but I'm nervous about the market crashing. Would it be best to invest it all now or put it into a five-year ladder CD and dollar cost average as the CDs mature? I'm a huge fan of dollar cost averaging. In fact, I have you slotted to talk about that. Um, I think it's later this week to do really like a talk to about basics dollar cost averaging. Yeah. Okay. So uh, then I'll be brief here about Mm -hmm. it. So the advantage of dollar cost averaging is that if you put in a lump sum all at once and the market has a big correction or a bear market, you've seen your money evaporate right before your eyes in quick order and you may feel burned and become risk averse to investing. So that, even though the math shows you'll make more money over the years if you just lump sum it all in. I still prefer because of I'm a big believer in what's called behavioral economics, behavioral finance, that people stick to a plan much more likely when you dollar cost average than if you're looking at lump sum. So if it were me, this is an unexpected amount of funds. I think that doing the dollar cost averaging is the better choice. And again, I'll give a full explanation in the next several days or week. Because I said a while back, I wanted to really explain dollar cost averaging because there seems to be confusion about how it works. This question's from Marianne in California. She says, what does Clark think of TrackPhone? So TrackPhone, the network is rock solid. It's owned by Verizon. Uh, TrackPhone is a confusing product because it has so many different plans it's like it's got too many personalities i think it was 21 at the last time 21 plans yeah we reviewed it on clark.com 
21 plans. So I, to say, what do I think of track phone? It means this plan, that plan, this plan, the other plan. So uh, Verizon has created a hydra-headed monster here that it's impossible to answer that question. No network issues at all with track phone. The best use of track phone is for an extremely light user of cell phone service. If that's you and you go in one of the low volume plans, great. But if you are a mid user of data or you are a heavy user of data, track phone's not your friend, it's not your plan. For people that are mid to heavy users of cell phone service, the costs in the marketplace, if you go outside of the brand name Verizon, T-Mobile, or AT&T, are the cheapest they've ever been. And in fact, we've got a lot of information on plans at Clark.com with our favorites at both mid-use and high-use. We also have low-use as well. But when you think of track phone, think of being a low-use, casual user of a cell phone. And that's who it really best serves. And Dallas Cox, who writes much of our cell phone content and reviews all these services regularly, also said if you do end up with TrackPhone, she recommends trying a 30-day plan first. Just so you can see how you like it, and then you could commit to longer. Yeah, but I'm not worried about the reliability of the service now that this is a wholly owned subsidiary of Verizon. I've shared with you recently, Verizon at the corporate level, their marketing is like a jumbled mess. They have not rationalized their services, their brand names, their plans. I mean, this is the same company that owns Visible. And Visible is phenomenal. It's $25 a month, unlimited everything. I mean, it's a great deal. So they've got that brand, then they've got main Verizon, then they've got Verizon prepaid, and then they've got track phone. I'm trying to think what other brands Verizon has right now. So there's a lot going on there to unpack. And so when you realize that track phone is just Verizon by a different name, you got to see if the plan offered is really the best plan for your dollars. And depending on your volume of use, may or may not be. So I appreciate that question very much because track phone has always been a confusing brand name just more so now than ever 21 different plans really uh coming up ahead i got some key travel warnings for you to protect your vacation and your wallet another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So many of us daydream about travel. Few people are as extreme as I am about travel because I love travel. I mean, I 
virtually always have a suitcase packed. One of the stories my wife tells, it's one of my favorite, is when she and I first got together, she had never really traveled a lot before she met me. And I said, you need to always have a suitcase packed. And she thought I was kidding because when a deal would come up, I'd say, let's go today or whatever. And she learned. And so she and I always have a suitcase at the ready to go take a trip. And I've just got that wonderlust. People that are into astrology say it's because I'm a Gemini. I don't know. Anyway, I just live for travel. A lot of people are at the other extreme. They're homebodies. And then the great mass of us are in between. We love an occasional travel adventure, but we don't live, eat, and breathe travel like I do. So a lot of the tricks of the trade are things that aren't in your wheelhouse or in your experience. And I need to tell you that if you are going to book a trip that is a tour or you're going to book a cruise, know that both of these industries and particularly the tour industry has had a lot of financial and operational instability. Uh, Cruise lines are still trying to recover from the enormous debt that they took on in 20 and 21 with all the cruise ships docked, no revenue coming in and having to pay for all those huge ongoing costs of those fleets. And so there's a lot more risk when you book, even with uh, long in business companies. I mean, there have been tour operators that have been around 20, 30 years that have gone bust in the last year. And a lot of these companies now, I've seen this with some of the riverboat companies and things like that, they offer you a discount if you pay cash. Now, cash doesn't mean peeling off 20s. It means that you pay by a link to your checking account electronically or that you send them a check or whatever, anything other than taking a credit card. The reason is credit card companies know the risk with advanced payments coming to tour operators and to cruise lines. And so they have these very large holdbacks where the tour operator, the cruise line, they don't have access to a big percent of the money people are paying in till after the trip is completed. So these tour operators and cruise lines are living off the money paid in advance by people in many cases to keep the doors open. So you're putting your money at risk. They go bust, your money's gone. Uh, Something that came up recently with one of the failures is people who had bought trip insurance from the tour operator, the trip insurance did not include supplier default. So when the supplier went bust, the insurance you'd paid for was useless and your money was gone. So please be aware of these things. When you're booking a cruise or a tour, never, never buy travel insurance or trip protection coverage from the tour operator or the cruise line. You buy it from an independent selling you that coverage. Make sure the coverage includes supplier default or whatever wording they use. 
they go they go bust, you get your money back. Very important that you, with all the advance money you're paying for a tour or a cruise, that you do pay for the insurance. I know it's expensive. Typically costs you like six cents on each dollar. But think about it. If they go bust, you're getting back a net 94 cent return on every dollar. Worth it. Second thing, if they give you the option of paying by credit card or paying by check, pay by credit card. It gives you some protection. The best protection of all historically has been American Express because American Express is both the uh, merchant operator and the consumer operator, unlike how it works with Visa and MasterCard. So American Express, if you pay for a trip with the credit card, in most circumstances, even if it's past 60 days from when you paid the money till the supplier or cruise line or tour operator goes bust, American Express is good for your money and they give it back to you. But the combination of paying by credit card for a cruise or tour and buying independent trip insurance, those are your best one-two punch protections you can have. Krista? And we'll link our how to choose a tour company from Clark.com on the show notes from today. How about how to buy trip insurance too? Yeah, we can link both of those in the episode notes. We try to link every website we give out or we try to link in our daily episode notes. Wow. In the description. We're really efficient. We're on it. We're on it. Can you imagine if I was responsible for making things like that happen, it would never happen (laughs) because I'm so flaky. All right. Let's start with Sue in Wisconsin's question. She says, we're planning to book a tour to Ireland with a tour company. If we pay with our Chase Preferred card for the tour and book airfare separately and pay with Chase Preferred, does Clark recommend we buy separate travel insurance for the tour portion of our trip? Okay, with your airfare, you usually don't need travel insurance. And you notice if you, when you go to book airfare on most any airline, they're now pushing you to buy insurance for that flight. But remember, with airlines now, in most cases, you don't pay a penalty if you need to cancel. It's just like you have gift certificate money moving forward. So you don't want to insure an airline ticket unless you look at it as a once in a lifetime trip and you'd never have an opportunity to use the money again. And yes, I would want you to buy separate for each aspect unless a trip policy would easily cover both events, which I like it to be linear that you have one for the flight if you buy a policy and a second definitely for the tour. And that tour insurance if there was a unexpected event like terrorism or something like that that would make you not want to take the trip, know that the trip insurance is not going to cover that. The only way you cover that is if you add on a rider that includes cancel for any reason. You pay more for the trip insurance if you do that, but the cancel for any reason usually will pay you back 50, 60, or 75%, depending on the policy, of the money you've paid in when you cancel for any reason. They have to have some amount that you lose, otherwise people would just flippantly cancel a trip. But I hear from so many people who have reasons the insurance claim is denied, and they lose all the money, but if they paid more, 
for the unexpecteds, you'd get back, again, 50 to 75% of the money. Alex in California says, I have a story of thanks for Clark's advice. My now wife had indexed universal life insurance before we were married, and I tried so hard to get her to get rid of it. You suggested to a listener that they reach out to James Hunt, an individual that runs a service where he reviews in-force evaluations of the insurance. I reached out to him, paid the fee, and got the evaluation very quickly and was able to show some evidence to the insurance being crummy as opposed to me saying, well, Clark Howard says this. In conclusion, we ended the policy much to the dismay of her family friend who sold it to us in the first place. Alex, thank you for sharing that. James Hunt was, as I recall, at one time a state insurance commissioner. He runs this service for the Consumer Federation of America called EvaluateLifeInsurance.org. He does this as a labor of love where he goes through, he tells you what documentation he needs, and he'll go through these horrific variable universal life policies and universal life policies of various types, whole life policies, and be able to tell you it's a keeper, it's garbage, or somewhere in between. And so you're paying all those premiums, the evaluation service that you pay I think it's like 150. 150 yeah, for I the mean, first one. I mean, that is one. cheap money to know whether or not a policy is garbage or not and what to do. He's a good guy, too. He is a good guy. Okay, good. But, but if I give advice about insurance uh, he doesn't like, I get a pretty strong message from him saying, Clark, you know, I really like you, but that was horrible advice. <laughs> well, he says it He's more nice. explicitly than that. He's a great guy. Gay in Ohio says, regarding the article on long-term care insurance, you might want to mention limited pay long-term care insurance policies. The premiums are substantially more than a standard policy, but the policy is paid in full in 10 years. My husband and I have this type of policy and have had only one price increase in over seven years. Gay, in states that permit it, this helps you with the premium shock that could happen otherwise. And if someone can afford the premiums for a shorter cycle payout that would be full purchase of a long-term care policy, this is something I never address, but is a great idea because when someone pays just continuous premiums over their lifetime for a long-term care policy, they're going to get hit with continuous premium increases that may make continuing the policy impossible so paying a policy where you pay it in full and and it's very common that it's a 10-year pay in states that permit this that is a way for you to avoid the enormous increases in premiums that could happen otherwise and so i really appreciate you pointing it out the reality is the long-term care insurance market is so in a bad way that there are very few insurers selling those anymore and the market has moved on so heavily to what are known as hybrid policies that give you a guaranteed benefit but very tightly capped for a set premium that is embedded typically inside a whole life insurance policy. And that is because the insurers have been burned so badly and the premium payers have been burn so badly that it's become for so many people too hot to touch 
to buy long-term care policies. But what you did is a way that you have an enormous benefit without having to worry about the bill shock through the years later in life. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Remember, what are we all about? I want you to save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. Have an absolutely great rest of your day.